Here's today's transformational truth. Weeds in the soil produce weariness in the heart. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Here's today's transformational truth. Weeds in the soil produce weariness in the heart. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about emotional health, specifically the health of your heart. Last week, we talked about the dangers of shallow soil. And this week, I want to take a close look at the dangers of what the Bible calls choking soil. Okay, because this soil will choke the joy out of your life, out of your marriage. Oh my goodness, out of your ministry. It'll choke the joy out of your calling. So let's learn together how to cultivate a healthy heart. Now, Disclaimer from the beginning, I know this soil well. I have dealt with this soil in my heart. I mean, for years I dealt with this choking soil in my heart. Didn't even know that I was dealing with it. I can tell you from firsthand experience, it was choking the peace and the joy out of every good thing that God was bringing into my life. But the good news is, leader, it doesn't have to stay that way. Ha, praise God. Jesus addresses this issue in Matthew chapter 13. I want to read one verse to you. Verse 22. Jesus said, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word of God. Always remember, the seed is the word of God. It is the truth of God's kingdom. It is truth, right? It is Christ's word. He said he receives the word. He hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. All right. Before we jump into the meat, I want to make a basic but important observation about the words of Jesus in Matthew 13, 22. The seed, according to his words, were sown by hearing the preached word of God. All right. Placing ourselves in proximity to the preached word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit must be a priority for every believer everywhere. And I don't care if you're a pastor, a lead pastor. I don't care if you're on staff. I don't care. Maybe you're leading your family, whatever. Maybe you're just leading yourself. Listen to me carefully. Every one of us needs to make sitting under the preached word of God a priority because this is how one of the ways the seed is sown, according to the words of Christ, all right? He said, he hears the word of God. He hears it. It's being preached. It's being declared. Jesus also tells us in Matthew chapter 13 that it's possible for the seed to be scattered in the soil of man's heart, take root, and even start to grow, but then be choked out until that which was fruitful is no longer fruitful. Okay, Jesus said that this soil started out as really good soil. Uh, It was soil that was producing uh, kingdom harvest, all right? It was soil that, according to Christ, was very fruitful, was. Keyword was, as in past tense. But something else started to grow in this soil alongside the seed that worked against what God was trying to accomplish. The Word brought revelation. The Word of God brought direction. 
It, it was doing everything it was supposed to do. The Word of God revealed gifts and calling and purpose maybe in life. But something that Jesus did not sow in the soil started choking out what he did sow in the soil. And it slowly choked it until God's original purpose for their life started to die. Okay. And he defined what they were. Here's what he said. He said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. All right. Do you know how riches can deceive us? By telling us that it can give us what only Jesus can give us. Absolutely. Jesus said the temporary things essentially became more important than the eternal things. It's what happens when we place our will right beside God's will. Okay, in other words, you know, we elevate our will up to the same status as God's will, and we start saying no to things that Jesus is asking us to say yes to, and we start saying yes to things that Jesus is inviting us to say no to, and as a result, in this process of quote-unquote, I use air quotes, of becoming, we start doing to be instead of being to do. Okay, and Jesus said that all we become by trying to become is un fruitful. Man, this is this is tricky. It's dangerous. And I'm seeing this in the in the specifically in the church world and in ministry culture and in ministry contexts. Um I, I don't know. And 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 I'm and listen to me, hear my heart. God is sovereign and and I, I understand that God reveals in different seasons he reveals his will and he reveals new things and he reveals different aspects of our calling. I, I get all of that um and believe all of that. Okay. But I remember a time where people would leave their vocation to answer the call. But now I'm watching people leave the call to go find a vocation. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, can I tell you what it is? It is the love of money, the love of things. It is us trying to make a way for ourselves rather than resting in Christ and by faith trusting in His timing and in His will and His journey and finding fulfillment and what he's called us to do and in Christ alone, rather than going out and, and, and being buying the lie of the culture that says you have to do seven different things in order for you to be significant or have impact or truly find fulfillment or whatever it is that we're trying to chase. And this is what Jesus is addressing. He said the temporary things are becoming more important than the eternal things. And as a result, the only thing we become in trying to quote-unquote become is unfruitful. When we place our carnal ideas, gosh, this happens a lot. This is happening a lot. It's, it's always been around. I get that. But with the rise of social media, I see it happening now more than I've ever seen it happen before. We're placing our carnal ideas next to biblical truth, and we're giving them the same value. Okay. And when we give them the same value, what we do is we give them the same influence and the same authority in our lives. And so the, the, the thorns of carnal ideas that appeal to these old, unrenewed thought patterns in our life end up choking out the word that's trying to produce a new life in Christ. Okay, it'll choke your peace out. It'll choke out your joy. Um, and when you start to lose it, you look for things to numb the pain or to cover it up or distract you, right? So, so when joy starts to fade and peace starts to go, we look for dangerous distractions. Right, distractions that we don't even realize the joy and the peace in our life fulfillment is is exiting our life. We don't realize it uh, because uh, we were convinced we had to go in a certain direction that God did not invite us to go uh, because we're chasing temporary things instead of trusting God for the eternal things. 
Okay. Uh, you know, when I answered the call to ministry, uh, it was one of the scariest moments of my life. And let me be clear, I, I, not everyone is called to vocational ministry. Um, not everyone has that calling. Everyone has a purpose. And this is my personal conviction. Every single human being was born with God-given purpose. Not everyone has a calling. I, I really don't believe that. I, I believe the calling is ministry-centric. It's body of Christ-centric. Um, but neither here nor there. Everybody has purpose. Everybody has calling. When I begin to exit the thing that I was created for, I begin to lose that sense of awe and wonder and peace and joy that God designed me to experience. When I answered the call to ministry, it was so scary. I was making good money. Um, at, at that time, it was good money. I was making, I don't know, I mean, about 65000 a year. And um, I was being considered for some uh, promotions and you know, had insurance and 401k and pension and you know all of the things that culture says you need to have to have security. At least I had, and then things were moving, you know, up and to the right, and it was a good thing. And then God calls me to ministry, and I hear God say, "I want you to leave it all, and I want you to go pastor this church of 14 people." <laughs> um, listen, this church was an hour away. They couldn't afford to pay for my fuel to drive from where I lived to the city where the church was at. All right. I quit my job. I gave my two weeks notice, quit my job to go past this church. It was scary. It was exciting. Uh, it was terrifying. It was terrific. It, it, was, uh, it was one of the most conflicting seasons of my life. I knew I was in God's will, but it was scary. For the next seven years of my life, and, and by the way, it wasn't just me. I had a family. Uh, we had no medical insurance, right? I, you know, I always say, uh, I know we're supposed to cling to the old rugged cross, but the blue cross is nice too sometimes, right? We we had no medical insurance at all for seven years. Um, can I tell you what I saw in those seven years? I watched God either heal my family or supernaturally provide the provision we needed for medical care. I saw it every time. It, I'm, listen to me, I'm telling you. At that time, it's not anymore, but at that time when I quit my job, I was on a, a prescription medicine and I had insurance, so I never really paid attention to the cost. Well, the first time I went to go fill my prescription for the month. Uh, they, they said, oh, uh, you don't have insurance. I said, well, no. They said, okay, that'll be uh, $700. $700. I mean, guys, you know, I'm not, they couldn't, the church wasn't paying me. I, I didn't, I didn't have that kind of money. Uh, I went into the car. I cried. I said, God, I didn't, this, this wasn't my idea, Lord. This was your idea. You, you called me. What am I going to do? And I prayed about it. And the Lord said, call your doctor. I called my doctor and my doctor said, well, come by the office. I'm going to give you some samples. When I got there, he gave me samples. He goes, oh, here, by the way, um, the company who makes this prescription, they have a program that can get it, give you prescription medicine at a discounted rate. Called the company. Uh, for the next seven years, I got that prescription free of charge. Okay. When I had insurance, I had a $20 copay. Without insurance, I paid, <laughs> I got it for free. Think about that for a minute. Okay. What's my point? My point is there is this incredible temptation right now in church and ministry culture for everybody to find more to do. You know, everyone has to have uh, 12 streams of income. And, and please hear my heart. I think it's great to have multiple streams of income. Please understand what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you not to do that. What I'm saying is, is there's this pressure that's coming from the culture to make pastors and church leaders, ministry leaders, anointed men and women of God who were, you know, called by the Lord and, and, and positioned by God and ordained by God 
to equip the church for the work of ministry. There's this crazy carnal culture that's telling you all of these things you got to chase and pursue in order for you to be truly impactful. And I'm here to tell you that it's a lie. You listen to me. It is an absolute lie. Because when we start to pursue the stuff, the temporary stuff that God didn't even call us to, it begins to choke out the seeds of truth and destiny that God himself planted in the soil of our heart. Okay. And you'll never feel like you have enough because you can never feel like you can be enough or become enough. Oh, it's dangerous stuff. So here's what we do. We spend our life searching among the thorns for what can only be discovered in Christ and his will. Let me say that one more time. If we're not careful, we'll spend our lives searching among the thorns what can only be discovered in Christ and his will. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, right? The one sown among thorns represent, this is the words of Christ explaining the parable. The one sown among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, oh, this is the words of Christ, okay? His divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message, and it becomes fruitless. Oh my goodness. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, that's the Passion Translation. Go and check that one out. Here's what we need to understand, okay? This choking soil is dangerous. Every temptation in life, especially when it comes to the choking soil, can be traced back to the first temptation in the Bible, the very first one. Can I share it with you? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. Here it is. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow uh, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Listen to me carefully. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is always the origin of the thorn that chokes out the word. Stick with me just for a minute. If you're serious about guarding your heart, please, please lean into this truth. It is the deception that we can experience the benefits of God's will by doing things our way. Hmm. Genesis 2 verse 9. Let me say it again. It is the deception that we can experience the benefit of God's will by doing things our way. That we can produce our own righteousness, that we can produce our own worth through all of our quote-unquote good activity. It is the same. Listen, it's, it's the temptation to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Eve was tempted with. Okay, and it chokes out the word that Jesus sows into your heart. Okay, listen, how do I know if I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because um, I start to become more, quote unquote, independent. In other words, I don't need God or his church. Now, we might not say it that boldly, but we sort of begin to live like that, right? Um, I become more self-sufficient. I don't need help. I don't need people. I don't need relationships. Um uh, I begin to experience bondage to sin or bondage to self. That's a whole nother conversation. I look for carnal ways to find fulfillment. This is how I know I'm eating from the wrong tree. Um, I'm earning through achievement, okay? I'm doing to become something or someone that has value. Here's what's interesting about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The enemy does not care which side we eat from. Whenever you talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis, we always focus on the evil part. And we forget there's a good side to it. We forget that all the time. And you know what we forget? That they're both equally dangerous. There's not one that's less dangerous than the other. If I eat from the good side of the tree, it looks attractive, 
both to yourself and it looks attractive to the people around you, right? It, it, it's total dependence on myself and I am my own source. It is the knowledge of how to, quote unquote, try to do good apart from God, right? And, and when you eat from this tree, you become your own source. It's your strength, it's your effort, it's your will. It always leaves you feeling like you're not enough. One of the hallmarks that we've begun unknowingly to eat from this tree again, spiritually speaking, is that we're all, we never feel like we're enough, ever. And in the end, eating from this side of the tree only produces quote-unquote self-righteousness, not real righteousness, just self-righteousness. Now, if I eat from the evil side of the tree, it's super obvious, right? Because it's blatant sin, sexual sin, drunkenness, slander, gossip, divisiveness, the, the pursuit of, you know, all things evil, right? It's obvious. And when we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we usually live in this cycle, okay? I've seen it over and over again, where people try to eat from the good side, okay, for a while. Like, you know, if I do enough, if I learn enough, if I know enough, you know, I can be enough. And they keep trying really, really hard. And then guess what? Eventually, they, keep, they get tired of failing because it doesn't matter how many times they eat from that side of the tree, they never quite feel like they're enough. It doesn't matter how much education they get. It doesn't matter how many accolades or new opportunities or doors that open. It's never enough. And, and when that's not working and I'm not enough, that's when the temptation to eat from the other side of the tree comes in. And that produces all kinds of pain and turmoil, right? And the temptation for the believer is to go back and eat from the wrong tree every time. Because Jesus does not invite you and I to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You ready for this? He invites us to eat from the tree of life. Oh, yes. Leader, when we eat from the tree of life, we eat from Christ himself, the Lamb of God. We eat from the tree of surrender. And Jesus alone is your source. When you eat from the tree of life, you go from achieving to receiving. You go from self-sufficiency to Christ-sufficiency. All right? You go from independence to dependence upon Christ and his grace. You go from death to life. You go from doing to be to being to do. Yeah. Jesus said it very simply in John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, guess what? You're going to bear a lot of fruit, but without me, you can't do anything. The tree of life, that is Christ, it sustains you. It produces fruit. It's also, guess what? A shade tree where you can stop, like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you, you often run back and forth, back and forth. Even if it's not in action, but in thought, in temptation, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's exhausting. But guess what happens when you go to the tree of life? You can sit in its shade and rest because it never withers. It's not like Jonah's little tree, okay? It, it, it never withers. It's a place of rest. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place that says, Christ says that in me, you are enough and I accept you and I fully know you and I fully love you. And the temptation for the believers to keep going back to that old tree, that old tree of earning and striving and proving to keep God liking you. And it chokes out all the good things that God has for you, for your family, for your future. And listen, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the what. I'm talking about the why. Because you can actually be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You can be living out of your sense of purpose. You can be living out of your sense of calling, but you're doing them for the wrong reasons and it's killing you emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. Okay. When you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're doing it for an identity rather than from your identity in Christ. You're doing it to gain value than, rather than from your value in Christ. You're doing it to be accepted 
rather than doing it for your acceptance in Christ. You hear a theme here? Yeah, you in Christ. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's still, it's, I'm telling you, every temptation will go back to the first temptation in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2. It is a deceiving tree. Because on the surface, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good, you get accolades and you get applause, right? And if you don't know who you are in Christ, then the applause of man, oh my goodness, it can be intoxicating, right? You can get drunk on your own opinion of yourself and not even realize it. Uh, the problem with it, of course, is that when those applause grow silent, it is crushing. It'll kill you. And so you're eating from the tree of knowledge of good, and you're doing all these good things, and you're starting all these nonprofits, and you're doing all these uh, great ministry initiatives, and, and the problem is not the what, the problem is the why, and you're doing it to get something, and you're doing it to become someone because you don't know you already have everything in Christ, and you don't know that, that in Christ you're already accepted, and you don't know that you already have value, and it's killing you, and you get tired, and you, you get exhausted, and so you hear that whisper to go and eat from the other side of the tree. What does it look like? Sexual temptation? Uh, looks like the temptation to uh, indulge in maybe pornography. Maybe it's the temptation to have an affair. Maybe it's the temptation for substances. I don't know. The, some, some sort of temptation to compromise, you know? And then what happens? What happens? So you run to the other side of the tree. You eat from that side, right? And then what happens? Well, right away, the minute you do it, condemnation, right? Shame, condemnation. You feel awful. You feel embarrassed. You beat the crap out of yourself. You know, what, what was I thinking? What was I doing? What I, sh I should have known better than to do that. I know better than that. You just beat yourself up. So here's what you tell yourself. I know. I know what I'll do. I'll go back to the other side of the tree, of the good side. I'll, I, that's what I'll do. I'll double my efforts to earn. I'll really prove to everybody that I can earn righteousness and I can earn value and I can earn worth. And if I do enough good, then it'll outweigh the bad that I've done. And I, 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 can, I can redeem myself. No Sir, you cannot. Only Christ can do that, and he already did it. Okay, Jesus is not inviting you after moral failure or any kind of failure to go back to the tree of knowledge of good. No, 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 no. He's asking you to abandon that tree and come over and eat from the tree of life <laughs> because you are forgiven in Christ. And guess what? There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's right, none, zero. Yeah, but Pastor Travis, what if, I mean, after I put my faith in Jesus, I failed. I know. I know, and it hurts. And we feel that conviction. We feel the Holy Spirit convincing us that that is not us, that unrighteousness is not us. We have the Holy Spirit telling us, that's not you, you're righteous. You're not unrighteous. We feel that, that's healthy. But guess what we don't feel? We shouldn't feel condemnation. We don't have to beat ourselves up. Do you know why? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus on the cross took the punishment for that failure. Um, and punishing yourself for what Jesus already took the punishment for is, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Everyone talks about robbing glory, taking glory. I want to take glory from God. I don't want to steal glory. Can I tell you what? More glory is stolen after failure than any successes. We're always worried about people succeeding. Oh, well, you know, glory be to God. I don't want to rob any glory because I got I experienced some success and give God the glory. Listen, I'm, I promise you, we're much better at robbing, quote unquote, robbing glory from God in failure than successes. Because the moment you fail, you condemn yourself for something that Jesus already took care of at the cross. Listen to me. What was the cross for? Well, Travis, I, I, whoa, hold on a second, Travis. Are you, are, are, wow. Um, it doesn't sound like you have much regard for sin. No, no, sin's dangerous and, and sin will cause a lot of pain. But with, with all due respect, sir, it sounds to me like you don't have enough regard for the cross. Yeah, the cross, Jesus, Jesus said it is finished. And, and he meant what he said. 
And he's inviting us to walk away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil once and for all. Because you know what? You double down, you try harder next time, and then guess what? You fail again. Until eventually you say, the thing you told God, you promised God, God, I'll never do it again. Guess what? You did it again because you weren't good enough. You failed again in your, in your own strength, in your own self-righteous effort. So you went to numb the pain with something that's unhealthy and sinful, and then I'll double my effort. And eventually you're running laps around this street, and that's called striving, by the way. And you are stuck. And Jesus comes and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, goodness. When you look to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for worth and identity, leader, it's only a matter of time before you start choking out the good things that God has planted in your heart. But when you rest under the shade tree of the tree of life, that is Christ. Okay. In the finished work of Jesus on the cross, guess what happens? You ready? You bear much fruit. Not because you're running, not because you're earning, not because you're proving. You know why you bear fruit? Because you're resting. It's the same way a fruit tree bears fruit. It rests in the soil that it was planted. <laughs> and so you experience much peace, much joy, and you experience abundant relationships. And this is the Father's will for you. Let's recap today's transformational truth. Weeds in the soil will produce weariness in the heart. Listen, if transformational truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment. Go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Until next time.